All right, I'm still adjusting volume here. Am I too loud? No, but you're way too deep. (laughs) (laughs) Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 59 of the Freelancer Show. This week on our panel we have Eric Davis. Hello. Ash Dryden. Hello. Evan Light. Hello. Jim Gay. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Uh, this week's topic is going to be dealing with burnout. And, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, I actually chose this topic because I am dealing with burnout. So... Anyway, I thought I thought it'd be interesting to talk about it, see if you guys experience this. No, never, ever, ever. All right, it's been fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally burned out on this, guys. I'm leaving. Yeah, have a nice monologue, Chuck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, I, I got off this project a couple of weeks ago, and um, I don't know. I just haven't been able to really sit down and want to write code. And uh, it was really hard for me because I was burned out all through Mountain West Ruby Conference. I enjoyed talking to people, but I just, I, I mean, usually I wind up messing around with code and stuff during the conference and I'll come home and code a whole bunch. And I, I really enjoy writing code and I'm really not enjoying writing code. And so uh, I was wondering uh, what you guys do to cope with this kind of thing. Code less. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I, I just work a little bit less. and. Uh, Maybe I don't put in as many hours and maybe I spend more time doing complete things that have nothing to do with the computer. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I had a really bad case of burnout. It was, it probably lasted close to a year where I just hated doing work every single day. And I started picking up hobbies that had nothing to do with sitting in a computer. Like I picked up knitting, which for most people who know me, like I'm not like a very domestic does girly girl type thing. So picking up knitting was kind of different for me, which I love doing now. And I really enjoy doing that. Rode my bike more, spent more time outside, made sure that uh, I was, I was trying to get like my work life balance back in order. So I was only working a maximum of eight hours a day. (laughs) I'd also suggest that there's another possibility too, that it might not actually have anything to do with coding itself. Maybe there's something else in your life that is out of order and it just happens to be affecting your day job. And for me, I found that to be entirely normal, that my job might be A-OK and I'm just not having as much fun with it. But it's because there's something else outside of my job that is making me uncomfortable. And if I resolve that, then everything else tends to get better. Yeah, I think I think that's a lot of what I'm going through. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what Jim and Eric have to suggest before I really dig into some of the things that I've been doing. Well, for me, um, I remember when I was in college, I was uh, in my graphic design program and I was doing a lot of stuff on the computer and I actually almost switched to uh, being a ceramics major. I would spend my time in the ceramics studio using my hands and not sitting in front of um, a computer screen and I really want to get back to it. I have four kids now, so they tend to take up a lot of my free time. Um, and I haven't done it in a long time, but I absolutely loved being able to, you know, physically manipulate things, you know, and, and not have to sit and move things around and just s- sit thinking. Um, so even just getting up and 
drawing things out, writing a story about something, but physically doing something for me helps me kind of break through a barrier where I'm feeling burnt down on something. That's interesting. It, it sounds a lot like what Ash was saying just with knitting. You know, it's it's something that doesn't really engage your your mind the same way. It's just something that kind of gives you some mental space while you're doing something with your hands. Yeah, you know, I also did a lot of, like the last house that I owned, I did a lot of renovation in it and then a little bit in the one that I'm, I'm in now. And that one, doing that stuff I liked, um, I would get compliments from people on the work that I'd done, but I would read about something for like, you know, six weeks before I ever attempted it. So it was research and problem solving, the same kind of things that you do in programming, but then I was able to actually, all right, let's start, you know, knocking down walls and, and wiring things and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get that. Eric, do you do you deal with this? Yeah, I, I get kind of mild cases of burnout quite a bit. I'm actually kind of going through one right now. I kind of do a mix of what Jim and Evan said where, like Evan, I basically reduce my workload. And for me, I try not to code all the time. Like I do a lot of writing, a lot of marketing stuff. So I'm not really deep in code. And so if I do burn out, I can just kind of change the ratio of how much code to writing I do. And that tends to help. But I've had a kind of project or two where it just was so intense that when it was done or when we got a break, I would have to take a couple of days off and just do nothing. Like basically you know, read a couple books, mostly fiction books, watch Netflix, just lounge around the house and be a bum for a week or two. And surprisingly, like after, you know, a week of that, you kind of get annoyed and like, okay, I want to go create something again. And by that time I'm out of the burnout, able to get back into it. Another thing that works really good for me is just moving like exercise and stuff like that. So last year I was running, I think about every day for about half an hour to an hour. And no matter how tired or burned out I was from the day before, that half hour run was like enough to get me energized to go through it again the next day. And I kept that up the entire time until I actually injured myself, but that's a whole different note. Yeah. Some of the things that I have been doing is mostly what you guys have said. The big thing that made a difference for me the other day was actually, I did go for a run. I went for a run for about an hour and, uh, I'm pretty sore now cause I had neglected that for a while. And I think that's probably part of my problem, but I, I I felt a lot better that afternoon, and, uh, you know, I, I did actually get a few hours of work in um, before I was just like, hey, I'm done with this. I need to throw up my hands and, you know, quit. As someone who doesn't exercise often enough, I, I know f- for a fact, I mean, I'm sure you guys do too, exercise is just great for eating stress, just general stress. And when I do it regularly, even if it's just every other day, I'm I'm just generally happier across the board. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us are that way. The other thing is is that this project that I was on, it just sucked up a lot of time. And I have a lot of other things going on anyway. I mean, I record four podcasts during the week and you know, I've been doing this Ruby on Rails course and things like that. And uh, as you can imagine, I've been pretty busy and that's been a lot of it too where I just feel overwhelmed. And so I don't even want to come into my office and, and sit down because I have so much stuff going on. But uh Well, and that's kind of for me, at least, I found that's kind of the source of a lot of my burnout is basically overcommitting. And I don't remember, it's a couple people have said it, but basically if someone's asking you to make a new commitment, like in your case, Chuck, like a new podcast, if you, it's either a hell yes, I'll do that, or it's a no. And basically I've been, I think about that whenever I look at like new projects or new products and I kind of use that as a gauge of like how committed am I to this idea? Because I know I'm going to overcommit again and that's going to cause me to burn out. And that's actually helped me probably the past six or eight months to kind of 
not put too much on my plate, not to overcommit. Yeah, I think that sense of being overwhelmed by things definitely uh, contributes a lot to me feeling burnt out. Uh, I moved a couple years ago um, from Milwaukee to Madison. One of the things that I did was I kind of like pulled back from doing any kind of community organizing or conference organizing and just not having people demanding things of me all the time made a huge difference for me. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a big part of it. And what what I'm planning on doing this afternoon is actually um, clearing off my whiteboard and just writing down all the things that I think I need to do, and then basically just saying, well, I can do this one and this one or this one, and just you know decide what I'm going to commit to, and then everything else is just put on hold. And that way, I don't feel so overwhelmed because it's like, look, I only really have these two or three things going on. Yeah, one thing I learned out of a book uh, was to kind of look at your life as like a puzzle and each component of your life is a puzzle piece. And some parts like family might be a bigger one than, you know, say exercise or work or whatever, but they kind of came up with a system where you have six, you know, large puzzle pieces. And like for, for me, I know work takes up like two pieces cause it's such a big aspect and you only have six and you can only work on six size things at a time and if you need to do something else you either need to stop on something tell someone i'm not going to do you know this thing already or you need to kind of shuffle things around like scale back on work in order to do more podcasts and ever since that i've had on my wall basically six uh three by five cards colored by is it like my work life or my personal life and basically whenever i get really stressed out i look up there and figure out like is that something that's on row six cards if it's not i just try to ignore it or try to get rid of that uh, new commitment and that's worked pretty well too i mean six seems to be a good a good amount so that you feel you can do enough but also not enough to actually overwhelm you yeah that makes sense yeah the other uh, uh thing that comes to mind as i'm listening to everybody is changing expectations you know going to your client or clients and saying I'm going to burn out um, and just being honest with them. Um, I think I, I often feel like I have to always perform and I put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure that I'm delivering as much as possible at, you know, every minute of every hour. But ultimately, everybody's human and everyone's going to understand or at least should, if they're going to be a good client, should understand that you need to take care of your health and there's no way you're going to be a good resource for them or a good developer or anything if if you're feeling like um, you're going to collapse at the end of the day or week. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a better way to go than just kind of flaming out on them. <laughs> you know, where it's just like, okay, well, why haven't you worked for the last week? Well, if you can tell them up front, you know, I'm, I'm heading for a cliff. Yeah. I've done that with one client where I told them, like, I was like, you know, what I'm doing a bunch of work for you. And then when this contract's over, I'm not going to be able to do this much. And I, it's either I'm not going to be able to work with you at all if you have to have this quantity or I can work at a limited schedule with you. And I told him that it's just I can't sustain this and run my business and all the other things that are not specifically for you. And they understood and they're actually okay with actually, you know, reducing the commitment. And so that actually helped me out and they still got some help from me. One thing that I've noticed is, you know, I was on a project where there were some death marches going on. You know, things had to be completed by a certain date and it was just an impossible feat that having children actually changes people's perception of your needs. So regardless of the fact that uh, other developers didn't have children, 
I sort of got a pass because I could say, hey, I've got kids. I'm not going to stay here all weekend and work on this project, which was great for me, but is bad in general. I think, you know, uh, people naturally react to that and, and say, oh, well, he's got a family, she's got a family. But ultimately, we all need to be healthy, you know, and we all need to be in top shape to uh, to perform. I'm actually on my next project um, I'm going to be up front and say, look, I'm going to take naps. I may disappear in the afternoon and be gone for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. It's so that I can perform better. So if you have a problem with that, then I don't, you know, think it's going to work out or, or say, you know, I'm going to be in late because I got to go for a run or something like that. But as long as the communication is still happening with the team, um, I want to make it clear to everybody that my health is really important for me to be able to perform my job. And I want to encourage that with the rest of the team as well, you know? So to add on to something you said there, Jim, I tell all my clients about Kim, about my wife. And so they understand when I tell them that my workday typically ends at 6 p.m. sharp because I have to go play caregiver after that. And they understand sometimes I'm a little more burnt out because of that. I don't think, I don't see it as making excuses. I think you hit the nail on the head when at the beginning of what you were saying that it's really about setting expectations. And frankly, it's also about setting boundaries. And it's critical that we set boundaries. Otherwise, um, the clients will treat you as though you're always available whenever they're working. And that just usually isn't so unless you happen to be on site with them and they can see when you're working. And the other thing, too, is that, I mean, setting up those boundaries isn't unreasonable and you shouldn't feel like you're being mean or that you are not providing, you know, as full service to a client as somebody else would because you're doing not only what's best for you, but it's also what's best for the client. You know, if you're working 12 hour days every single day, they're not getting the best work out of you. You're getting frustrated more, more easily. You're not able to take care of yourself. So things in your personal life are slip are slipping and that stress is going to work its way into your relationship with them one way or another. I wanted to bring up a point about this too, particularly for people who are either new to freelancing or inexperienced or something, because I remember all types of advice like this, like, you know, raise your rates and learn to say no to things that setting those expectations changes the way that people respond to you. So if you you know, you're new to freelancing, approaching your work-life balance um, and, and saying to your client, you know, I, there are certain things that I need to do. For example, you know, I'm feeling burnt out. I need to take care of myself. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to perform. It's, it's not, you're not in a position where you're just whining and, and, and you're being selfish. Um, but there's a greater impact there that your client, you know, they obviously, I'm sure on a personal level, will want you to be healthy. But in order for their project to succeed, you need to take care of yourself. And so if you're starting out, making sure you set those expectations early or as soon as you realize them is really going to be the best thing for your career in general, I think. I keep keying off of what you're saying, Jim. I, I actually disagree to the extent that I think it is perfectly selfish. And at the same time, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. It's selfish, but it's important, should be important to the client as well. If we are not taking care of ourselves, then we are violating the, um, oh, the, what's called the PP, the, the P 
PC principle in the uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and I can't remember what that means exactly, but I mean what it stands for, that is, but what it means is the difference between killing the goose to get the golden egg and then taking good care of the goose and getting more golden eggs over time. We're not going to be able to keep production production versus production capacity. We're not going to be able to maintain the same capacity if we don't take adequate care of ourselves. Stepping back further, um, based on what you said, Jim, and, and going back to what I said at the beginning, I think a lot of what burnout really says, or because it is a signal of sorts, is just that there is something out of balance in our lives. And it, and again, it might be work, but often it's not work. We just feel it when we're working because, well, working is a very large obligation in our lives that we have to perform on an ongoing basis for several hours a day. And so I guess of all the environments we're going to feel discomfort in, work is probably the one, the one we're most likely to, to sense it. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that uh, I, I think I think what you're saying is really true that you know things just were totally out of whack and it, it was out of balance for me mainly because I was spending so much time on work and and I think things just kind of swung way back the other way once I didn't have that full time commitment anymore and I think I think that's part of the deal I'm really considering what hobbies or things that I could pick up that are kind of that that working with your hands kind of thing, because I think that that's really kind of the space that I need to be in. At the same time, maybe you, you don't need anything new either. Maybe you just need to spend more time addressing those part, other parts of your life and, and less time on the work too. Um, and the reason I suggest that is like any good experiment, you work with the variables you already have maybe before adding another variable. Yeah, that's that's also true. But there's also there's also something to say for trying something new and being completely new to something and not, I mean, like we were talking about knitting earlier and in the chat we we're talking about crochet. I mean, not knowing which end of the crochet hook to hold. Like for someone who is intelligent, knows programming like the back of their hand, being at that point where they don't know how even the most basic part of this works, where there's like seven year olds that can crochet, it's kind of it's humbling and it kind of makes you think back to like, look. This is just a body of knowledge that I haven't learned yet. And there's a whole world out there of things that I can try and experience and learn from. I mean, I actually tried to learn crochet and I can't just because of how my hands work. It's, I keep poking myself with things. So just, I don't know if it's coordination or just the amount of repetitive stress injury from typing on the keyboard, but I tried it and just the fact of trying it and doing it with my wife for a couple of months, it was, it was really interesting. And it's an experience that I'm really happy to have done. Yeah, and I think it's important too. I mean, I was I was talking to Evan how uh, learning something new is hard, but I like that it kind of puts you back into that beginner's mind and helps you remember what it's like to be somebody who's trying something for the first time. And it's really good for your brain. Like it, it helps form new neural pathways. So it actually makes you smarter to learn new things. At the same time, maybe you're also learning enough new things during the day and relaxation might not include learning something new. It, it depends. And in which case, maybe you, relaxation really means just that. Lounging, relax, relaxing, not necessarily challenging yourself more because we usually have lots of challenge during the day in our jobs and with our families and whatnot already. So I wouldn't take anything that any one of us is saying is a best practice, obviously, just for consideration. I think the key is just to try a bunch of things. I mean, try, like you said, Evan, like basic relaxing, just sit on a chair and do nothing and veg out. And then also, you know, maybe try a lot of physical activity, like, you know, build a brick wall or go exercise and try a bunch of things and see what works. Cause burnout is not like one actual source cause the burnout. It's going to be a whole bunch of factors that layered on top of each other. And 
maybe exercise is going to help three of those factors, four of those factors, and maybe vegging out is going to help another seven or eight. But you might not actually get over burnout until you actually address them all or or doing something that kind of mitigates the the role they have in your life. Yeah, there's also the impact that um, your personal life might have. Like, for example, uh, Chuck, I know you've got several kids. I've got several kids. And the thought of like, oh, let me let me, you know, leave the office early and and go home means you're just going to be overwhelmed with lots of things to do with kids or other family. And what do you mean, Jim? (laughs) (laughs) um, Sometimes it may, you know, be going to your spouse and saying, look, I need to just do nothing for one hour. Can I please just go and disappear, you know, and, and not have a responsibility to anyone for an hour? So there's also that. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. The, the, the other thing was is that I think it was to the point where I was actually getting like depressed and, and physically ill. Like I didn't feel well. I didn't feel good about myself. And I mean, it, it got really bad there for, for a while. And it's just this week that I'm really kind of coming out of it and feel like I can put in a few hours here or there every day to get things done. And, you know, thankfully I had some money put away so that I could take the time off. And I think that's kind of a, a big deal too. But, you know, it, it's it's tricky. And I think it's different for everybody. And I think, you know, different times, you know, the different burnouts, are, it varies as well. So, I think um, one thing that comes to mind for me is just having a bunch of people who you can talk with, you know, friends or other freelancers in the same situation and just bitch about your problems, you know, just, just complain. Sometimes it's good to get, you know, as long as those sessions don't last too long, just get some things off your chest and... uh feel like there's somebody out there who understands what you're going through is, is you know, I, I find good. Like anytime I've been, you know, an employee somewhere and the company's tanking and everybody's going to lose their jobs, everybody gets together and complains and it's a good stress reliever. Yeah. yeah one, one of the things that I did when I was burned out, somebody mentioned balance before and I noticed that there were a lot of things that I kept saying, I wish I could do X, you know, I wish I could go to the movies or I wish I was reading more books. So I made a list of all of those things and then like went out of my way every week to try and do those things. Because sometimes, you know, you, you, you think of these things, but you, you know, right then you don't have the time, but it, it made me happy to be able to go and sit in the park for a couple hours and read a book or be able to go to the movies with friends. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a big part of it too, is that I felt like I still, after, after the contract had ended, I still couldn't go and do all that stuff. So what, what are you doing or what did you do? So, you know, so one of the things I did was, uh, you know, I went, I went and just went for a run for an hour yesterday and that, that really made a difference. Um, I also spent a few hours yesterday just with my wife and Part of it was just, you know, sitting around with her. She also wasn't feeling well. So, I mean, I was also, you know, helping take care of the kids and things. And so I kind of got to spend time with them as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just stuff like that. And I've, I've watched an extraordinary amount of Battlestar Galactica, which is still my favorite show of all time. And, you know, just things like that. And I've been catching up on sleep. I'm still not there. I'm trying to cut back on my caffeine and that's not working. But, you know, just, just different things like that have really made a big difference. And I think at this point, um, like I said before, I just need to list out all the stuff that I'm worrying about and just kind of clear my head and, and, and get it taken care of. And, you know, the running and things helps with that. But, you know, just, just being able to quantify this, because I think a lot of the rest of what's left of the burnout is actually just overwhelm. 
And so if I can quantify it and I can, you know, cross some things off my list, then, you know, I'll start feeling better about it. Um, The other thing that's kind of helped and kind of not helped at the same time is that I picked up another contract after having two weeks off. And, uh, you know, it helps in the sense that there's something that I need to be doing. And so it kind of drives me to come in here and sit down and write some code. And, And it does help to do that. But at the same time, it really just, you know, it, it's another thing that's, that adds stress. So, you know, I think it's a net, it balances out. But anyway, in the long run, I think, I think those are kinds of the things that I'm doing. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm allowing myself to let some things that may be important, but less important, letting those things slide and just being able to say, you know what, I just, I can't do that. And so I don't. And I just make sure that if anyone's counting on me doing that, that they know that. And, uh, you know, being okay with it. For me, very recently, um, I started getting up early because I found that if I was staying up late trying to catch up with things that I was doing, like, for example, trying to finish finish writing my book, I was doing it late at night and I would get, you know, into working on something late at night. And then I would get up in the morning and be exhausted and I'd be cranky. And so what I started doing instead was making sure that I got to bed early and I, I used, um, melatonin to help, help train my body to go to sleep earlier when I, you know, wasn't used to going, going to bed early. And then I would set an alarm to wake myself up, you know, an hour or an hour and a half earlier than everybody else. And I've been doing that for, I don't know, at least a month, I think. And it has definitely changed the way I see my day. Um, and I was never really like a, a night person or a morning person or anything in particular. But um, so I didn't have a particular, you know, bent on whether or not getting up in the morning was a good thing or a bad thing. But I got up in the morning and now I get up and I sort of begin my day and I can do whatever either menial tasks I need to get done or I can dive right into a topic and, and start getting ready before even seeing anybody in my family. You know, I can make myself a cup of coffee and, uh, or you know, a small breakfast or something like that. And I'm, I'm ready to go. And it, it has definitely changed the way that I behave for the better because at night I have to go to bed because I know what time I'm getting up in the morning and it's going to hurt if I stay up late, you know, beyond a certain hour. But the other thing is if things are really not working out well and I need extra sleep, well, I'm used to getting up an hour or two hours earlier than everybody else. So no big deal. I'll just snooze and, you know, cheat one one day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to say one other thing that has really made a difference for me and and it's not something that's really like helped me get over the uh, overwhelm or the burnout or whatever you want to call it, but just something that made a big difference anyway was uh, I was talking to my wife and uh, we were driving over to my parents' house or something, and I I was talking to her and I said, well, I mean, I've been you know I'm worried about this and that, and really I just need to make sure that. And she interrupted me before I finished and said, make sure that you're enjoying your job. And uh, what I was going to say is make sure we're paying the bills. And honestly, just just having that kind of support from my wife and, you know, just just her making it okay for me to kind of deal with this on my own terms without stressing out over that. And, you know, for the most part, if you love what you do and you're you're doing things that make a difference, I mean, it, it usually works itself out so that you can't pay the bills. But you know, just knowing that it's not this major uh, thing. And I mean, sure, she'd be stressed out and probably a little upset if I wasn't able to make the bills. But, 
you know, in the long run, it's more important that I'm happy in my job. And uh, that that it's just a huge thing to to know that, you know, I, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to impress her. I don't have to worry about that kind of thing. And, you know, I, I'll be able to make the bills. But at the same time, it's just, you know, it, it's more important to make sure that I'm enjoying my job and doing what I'm doing. And, you know, that, that that's what's really important to her. And it's an interesting contrast from when I started freelancing because she was totally panicked and freaked out when, when I first started taking clients instead of going and finding a real job. So anyway, you know, if you can get that kind of perspective from your, your partner or spouse or whoever uh, your significant other is, it, it really makes a big difference. It's funny, though, when I notice myself burning out, I notice that there are a lot of things that kind of get off in my life. Usually I get burned out because I've been working too much or I've been working on too many things. And I notice that other things in my life start to slip, too. Like I'm not riding my bike as often or I'm not eating as well or um, I'm not socializing as often as I need to. And kind of getting all of those things back in line and being very intentional about my actions and kind of keeping track of those things so I can help myself start forming those habits all over again uh, is really important and it helps me a lot. All right. Well, are there any other pearls of wisdom that you guys want to share about this or should we just uh, end it a little early and get into the picks? Do not hang your laundry out today. It might rain. (laughs) This is also true on the East Coast. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We're just getting through the rain here. Anyway, I think there's been some terrific advice here um, and and I definitely want to uh, second everything that everybody sh- uh, shared because uh, I, I think I think all of it really you know comes down to getting some balance and, and just you know we, we talked about a lot of ways of doing that so hopefully hopefully that helps some other some other folks uh, it definitely helped me and it also helps just to be able to sit and talk about it I know somebody mentioned that but I mean just just talking through it with you guys is, has helped make me feel better so yeah, you know, the one That's thing that comes to mind now actually is trying to come up with ways to prevent burnout from happening, you know, like adding variety to your day. Uh, like every once in a while when I was traveling to one particular client, I would just go a different way. You know, it there was it was through neighborhoods and I could just add another road to my path and it just is a new twist on um, on a typical thing. And I think you can do that in your code as well. Try out a library that you that you don't use um, and just make something different so hopefully you can stave off the, the burnout uh, before it happens. Yeah, I, I think another thing that makes a difference is that I, I let a lot of stuff go when I was working this full-time contract. And honestly, when I got off that full-time contract, you know, it was, I am never doing this again. I'm never going to work, you know, this many hours for this long ever again. I mean, I, I can see putting in 40, 40 hours here or there, you know, if, if a client or some uh, something else really demands it, but you know, just, just you, you figure out where your limits are and just, you know, really don't violate them, you know, don't push it. Uh, I should have I made my health a little bit more of a priority. If you don't know, I have type 2 diabetes and it's totally out of whack because I didn't exercise and I didn't eat eat well, you know, and uh, just stuff like that. I, I let my health go. I let my, you know, my spiritual life go. I let a lot of other things go. I didn't spend as much time with my family and figure out what those boundaries are and figure out what you're not willing to sacrifice and don't sacrifice it. 
and and I think that I think that plays into a lot of it too. Um, well, it's like that post. I think Evan picked it a long time ago. It's like the it was like a, a nurse and on people's deathbeds, like what they really actually cared about and the five just, regrets of the dying. I'll go link it. Yeah, and I mean, like, really think about like how important is this thing that's stressing you out or that's causing burnout, and what are the big important things in your life, and you know, go at it from that way instead of worrying about I have this list of things that I need to get done. Yeah. Any other things to add as far as not burning out? Just the general advice. I mean, take it easy. Like I've been slowing myself down because I mean, I'm only here for so many years and after that I'm done. I don't need to rush through it. You know, try to enjoy the scenery. Yes. I'll add one other thing, which um, since Eric brought up the, the five regrets of the dying, it brings me back to a presentation where I mentioned it. And that's that also burnout is, uh, hey, it's frustration, which was a presentation of mine. And really, it, it's a message you're doing something wrong. It might also be possibly that maybe you're also not respecting your own needs by doing what you're doing for a living. Maybe you should be doing something else, too. So it's, I think the gist of one thing I guess we didn't really say is stop actually just stop and listen to what you're feeling and try to figure out what it is that's causing you to feel that way because it may not be what you think it is. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and do the picks. Eric, what are your picks? Uh, recently, there's been just a lot of kind of news events or whatever, and I basically been trying to ignore it, basically because the news cycle tends to be all about the drama, the tragedy, and overhyping things. And I just learned that over time. But it's always hard for me to explain that to people, like why I'm ignoring all these things, and I don't want to talk about certain topics. And then um, I saw this blog post that came out on Slate that's called Breaking News is Broken. Uh, subtitle is Don't Watch Cable News, Shut Off Twitter, You'd Be Better Off Cleaning Your Gutters. And it actually sums it up quite nicely. It's pretty relevant to current events, but you can kind of use the same idea to any kind of breaking news or any kind of, you know, those like really emotional subjects that everyone's talking about that there's not a lot of facts around yet. And so I'll put the link in the show notes for that. Awesome. That's kind of interesting. Uh Interesting take on things. Uh, Eric, what are your picks? You just picked Eric. <laughs> so I saw this interesting article. <laughs> Did I say Eric? That's I meant awesome. Evan. I totally meant to say Evan. <laughs> Chuck, okay, this is how burnt out Chuck is. I just thought I would point that out. Eric, what are your picks? <laughs> so there's this article on Slate. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right, Eric. Wait, Eric let's see Evan, how many more I did it again. Okay, Evan, go ahead. Playing the role of Eric Davis today, Evan Light. Um, okay. All right. Okay. Two things. Right. One of them that I, I picked just before Ash, so she's mad at me. Um, one of them is an app that, well, actually, Ash tweeted about, um, and I didn't know she was going to pick it this week. Um, <laughs> called called Happier, which um, I uh, also tweeted about and promptly adopted, and. Um, I, I recommended an, an app kind of similar to this before, um, ha but Happier is different than, um, I think it's the app I recommended about a year ago is called Happiness. Whereas Happiness is more of a personal journal, Happy Happier is actually a social networky sort of thing. Don't be turned off because I said social networking. It's a social network sort of thing where you log the top three things in a day or things in a day that make you happy when they make you happy. And sure, of course, you can take a photograph and you can tag it with the kind of category of, of happiness that it gives you. And it keeps the, it keeps a count, a tally of the um, different things that make you happy by category. 
but then it also lets you share them with friends or share them with everyone. And when you share them with friends or with everyone, these people can smile at what you, you posted, so kind of like liking it, I guess, and they can comment on it. Um, the reason that I like it is, well, as someone who doesn't really like Facebook, never really liked Facebook, it just lets you focus on the positive. That's reason one. So no complaining. Reason two is that it's built upon a notion in positive psychology that um, a regular gratefulness practice will make you overall a happier person over time. If you want to know more about that, you can go see, actually, I guess I have to link these too, um, the movie Happy. And then I can't remember the name of the, oh yeah, I can't remember the name of the book, um, but not right this second, so I'll have to link it. But there's a book that Happy is kind of based upon. Um, that tell you more about positive psychology. So um, that's one. The other one, and it's been in my um, my pocket list for a while, and I finally read it a few days ago, is called If You Were Too Busy to Meditate. Um, I'm not sure how much, I don't think we've talked about meditation too much in the show before, but um, when I way back when I was in high school, I was an angry kid, you know, show me a high schooler who wasn't. And um, I started studying Ki Aikido, and there's a regular meditation practice that's part of that. And it's, drained in my anger a lot. I was a much happier person as a result. Uh, so it occurred to me to read that article, and it pushed me back in the right direction. I started meditating again. I guess I'm on day three or four now, and it's already helping me. So read the article. Give it some thought. And if you're curious for more pointers on meditation, then maybe I can link a few where you can ask me, and I'll tell you all about them. Awesome. Ash, what are your picks? So I also went with three things that make me happy. Um, one of them is an article uh, about uh, the astronauts up on the International Space Station, especially a Canadian astro- astronaut named Chris Hadfield, do all kinds of experiments up in space, and then they uh, make videos of them, and they put them on YouTube. And the one that I just saw the other day was what happens when you wring out a wet towel in space, and I thought that that was really neat. The second one is a app that I found um, called Mao. It's a markdown editor. It's actually really nice. It kind of gets out of the way. And I know a lot of people prefer, um, I think the app is just called markdown. But I, I really like this because it's all in one place. And it's, it just makes it really uh, nice and easy to uh, work with large bodies of text. And the third one is a list of exercises that you can do at home without any equipment and with very minimal time. And it kind of goes through like how to do a proper sit up or how to do squats. Um, these kinds of exercises that you can do for your whole body without uh, having to go to a gym or leaving your house. Awesome. Jim, what are your picks? One article I actually came across today that Gary Vaynerchuk wrote on LinkedIn of all places. Uh, I think it's like my best mistake, too much success, where he talks about five years of his life where he, you know, did too much. He worked all the time and he didn't take off uh, any time to spend with his his family. And I remember seeing him speak at several different places, saw him at RailsConf one year, and he's impressive, he's intense. One thing that I definitely recognize is that he's doing so much. And he even talked about how, you know, he would spend his time on his phone thanking people, just sending them short notices, either, you know, Twitter or email or something like that. And so it's really interesting to me to read this article to hear about how, you know, he wishes he had just taken a weekend off and flown to Paris with his wife and just spent some more time. So that's a great read. The other pick that I have is uh, trying this with friends or people that you live with 
my old roommate and I were working and we wanted to get back into doing more art in our free time. And we just, you know, we never seemed to have time or we'd waste our time sitting in front of television together. Um, and so what we started doing was, you know, things like unplugging the TV. So <laughs> I'd loved, you know, getting home before my roommate came home and I would see him come in and plop down on the couch and try to use the remote to sit there and veg out for a bit. And I would have unplugged the TV and he would just, you know, ah, but he'd get up and he'd go do something that was ultimately better for him. So stuff like that. Uh, but those are my picks. Cool. I've, I've been so tempted to ask Eric what his picks are again, but I haven't. Um, so this Eric, is a good article picks? on Slate. <laughs> All right. Um, so my picks, my first pick is, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Um, I'm pretty sure I've picked it on this show or this show or other shows before, but, uh, honestly, I, I, this is my second time through it and it is honestly the best show that I've seen on TV. One of the other shows that I've been watching on TV, I watch it with my wife is Downton Abbey. And if you've been watching Downton Abbey, there is a video on YouTube that, uh, it's a spoof on what season four, episode one is going to be. <laughs> and I just, I laughed and laughed and laughed. Um, I have to give Josh Susser credit for uh, posting that, but uh, I, I don't want to spoil it. But basically, it it's, well, we decided that we were going to do a musical version of, of episode one. And it uh, it's funny. Anyway, um, so those are my picks. And then also, I just want to point out that... Uh, we are switching over. Um, this is the, the first official episode of the Freelancer Show. Um, we do have a new Twitter account, uh, freelancershow.com or <laughs> twitter.com slash freelancer show. Man, I am having the worst time. We're also going to be, um, moving everything over to freelancershow.com. So, um, we'll, we'll wrap this up. We'll catch you all next week. Well rested next week. Yes. So there's <laughs> an article on Slate.